0: I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of exposure
1: floor. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Now, remember, given the payday, as you been accounted for, okay? 610V, That was the name Six vi I'm not uh, here. We got a fire. One and a half story, single-family dwelling. Fire shown from the second floor. Give me a second alarm on this. i up to the top
0: floor. I got people hanging out the top floor windows with a baby.
1: Commercial building, uh, a lot of fire, a lot of smoke. Go ahead and strike a third alarm on my orders on this.
0: We've got people on the front fire escape
1: here windows below them. We need somebody up there. Yeah, let them know we got a job. I'm pulling up now. Second alarm, I got a one story single family frame, heavy fire showing from the attic. So we're using all hands. We got one line stretch, fire on the
0: fourth floor, second line being stretched. Primary stretches are underway.
1: Welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky along with my good buddy Chief John Salka. And John, we've had a lot of great shows uh, that we've been posting lately, and getting some great feedback. And uh, we actually um, scheduled a class, buddy, for this fall uh, in Pennsylvania with the Tioga County Firemen's Association. Um, and uh, one of the coordinators for that, Captain uh, Doug Champagne from Wellsboro uh, FD, um, kind of he asked a question, buddy, uh, for for one of our shows, and and we've covered a lot of this in individual shows because we always try to keep these between 20, 25 minutes and 30, 35 minutes long. Um, but but one of the questions he had was, uh, uh, and I guess we call it the topic for this show, are, are discussing the priorities of the first arriving um, unit, okay, the the first arriving unit. And, and and John, the, the variables here, as we've talked before, the difference whether you're volunteer career career, um, it plays a role in response times, uh, at times and staffing levels, but I'll be honest with you. Um, nowadays, uh, you know, for as many, uh, volunteer departments, I see having to respond with two people during the day or three, I see just as many career departments, you know, um, having to do the same thing. So I don't know if as much of a difference with that as it is as to, uh, actually determining and, 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 and talking about the priorities of the first arriving unit, um, uh, and, and one of the one of the questions that, that came up uh was, you know, what do you do? We got a younger department. We uh I, I just taught a department, buddy, where um I think the senior officer guy on his shift had like five years. I mean, a very young department. And and that's that's a reality for a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of places out there, a lot of great fire departments. Um, but that they, you know, they don't have tons and tons of years of experience on there. Um, that being said, You know, the question came up, you know, about maybe the hesitancy that some of the younger firefighters or officers may have uh, when it comes to making those decisions, buddy. Um, And The first thing I want, you know, one of the things I brought up is, you know, what do you do when when you don't have a chief on the scene yet? Um, And we've talked about that before, that you really shouldn't have to wait, uh, you know, to make a decision for a boss to get there. Um, I I know some of the younger firefighters, some of the younger guys and gals out there may be a little nervous to make a decision, I guess that's the first thing we need to talk about is how do you instill that confidence uh, in your younger firefighters? Uh, you know, that you got that engine responding. They may not have this senior guy or gal or that senior officer on there. They're getting out the door. Maybe it's a volunteer place. Maybe it's a younger career department and they pull up, let's just talk single family dwelling. They got a job. Um, how do you, first of all, how do you instill that confidence? You're a chief you know, of a volunteer department as well as all the years of the career side. What, what, what are your recommendations for that, buddy? This is
0: so easy. This is so easy. You want to know why it's easy? Because it's the same answer to all the other questions, training, training, training. If you train your people, if you've got a small department, career or volunteer, and my little volunteer fire department, there's, there's as good a chance of there being no officer in the front seat as, as, as an officer being there. Right. So we know that in the volunteer fire service, anybody who's been in the volunteers know it's, hit and miss, who comes, who shows up, who's home from work, who's in town, who's available. And you may have an officer, you may have a a former officer, an an ex-chief or a past, you know, captain. Uh, Or or you may have a guy with three years and and two guys with two years in the back or any combination thereof. So, obviously, with, with the career department, I'm not sure if you can train all the way down to the newest people, you know, to sit in the front seat and maybe make the calls. But certainly anybody with a couple of years should at least be familiar with the cab with the radio how to talk on air maybe even maybe even if you just have a a, a a basic policy for you know anybody under three years or under five years if you have to if you're forced to get in the front seat because only two of you showed up that day and and you got to roll so get on the radio and at least know how to call mutual aid get on the radio and say you know engine 585 on the scene uh, request mutual aid from Monroe, one engine, one truck to the scene. At least teach them something like that, and they're gonna get another couple of crews coming, the chance of an officer arriving, certainly that next door department, the volunteers probably gonna probably send the chief along with the mutual aid assignment. And then when you get, you know, so let's say that handles, you know, young, inexperienced people that just basically are not gonna have the skills. But then once you get to five-year people or ten-year people, or or former officers, or just people with more time on a job, or even young officers. That's a training issue. That, that, that's a video issue. That's a computer issue. That's a, that's a uh, I mean, you and I have talked about it. Sims, you share. There's so many ways out there that you can get people, sit down in a firehouse, show them videos. You can go to YouTube and, and give them a radio and say, what, what, what signal would you give right here? Go ahead, Tommy. What signal would you give? Okay, engine one is on scene. We have a work and fire. Uh, transmit a second alarm. And you know what? I know it's not easy, but it'd be interesting training for your people. And you could get just about everybody who's able to climb into that front seat, at least able to handle maybe the first couple of transmissions, even if they hop off the rig and turn right back into a firefighter and join with the guy behind them and stretch pre connect to the front door and get ready to fight the fire. At least they can get the ball rolling and get some more help coming and stuff like that.
1: Well, and you mentioned the training and we talk about it all the time, training, 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 just about every show we talk about, it's the backbone behind everything we do. It's the, it's how well an NFL team plays or a baseball team plays. It All goes back to executing and 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 the fundamentals. You know, every baseball player needs to know how to bunt. Every NBA player needs to throw a, a free throw, and so on and so forth. It comes back to training, training, training. I think even before, as we're talking, Ed John, um, you mentioned something. You know, being able to call for mutual aid we've talked about this several times before on this show, before we can even get to on-scene priorities, if you will, of the first-round unit, there needs to be a system in place. And whether that system is, you know, box cards or a computer dispatch, a CAD system, or however you call for help, or they're just physical paper cards that your dispatch center has, there really needs to be something, right, buddy? You can't just, the, the days of pulling up and going, and God, we've said this so many times in our classes and on these shows, the days of pulling up and going, from day to day, it depends who the officer or that or that, that firefighter under front seat's gonna go, Well, you know, you send me an engine from so they may forget about a department next door. You know, you've gotta have a system in place to be able to call mutual aid and I think that helps build the confidence too, knowing I've got a system, John, that I can where I can pull up and all I gotta do is say this and I got help coming, right? Right, right. And you can really simplify it,
0: which takes a lot of the anxiety and frustration out of it for young members, young officers or even people that are in offices and have no desire to be an officer, but because of their small volunteer department, they end up in a seat one day or a small career department, which often, often small career departments are harnessed with less staffing than small volunteer departments. Cause they got three guys on a rig or four guys in a rig and no more guys ever are going to be on that rig than three or four guys. At least in the volunteers, you sound the sirens. Again, you call for mutual aid, you call for resound the, the you know, you might get five or six more guys a few minutes later and, and get another rig out the door. So whether career, whether it's paid, whether it's new people, whether it's people with a little bit more experience, number one, I I agree. I, I I I agree. Your your point is more important. If there's a good system in place through the dispatcher, through radio signals or mama's boxes or whatever it is, that's something very simple somebody could know. And they could say, This is engine five eighty seven, we have a working fire, second alarm. And that's all I have to say. And then you know what? The dispatcher's going to work. They're hitting the computer keys, they're they're sending out the new tones or you know, getting on the radio and calling the nearby companies. You know, and but then on top of that, of course, the the folks do need to be trained, and we all know that sitting in the front seat does does not an officer make you right. You get you got to be able to, and I know young guys are very would be very nervous to ride in the front seat on a well. Road.
1: And I, I don't want to skip far past something you brought up that we again we bring it up quite often, especially in class when we're doing the officer Academy, our scenarios class. Is you you brought up and and I've never met the people. I think you may have bumped into them at a conference or they emailed you. The, you know we were introduced to sims you share we don't we don't i mean i guess we're doing a product endorsement but we don't go around and push people's products but i remember when we first were introduced to it Aaron Satunsky used to work for me at cordelaine idaho where i was chief for a little bit great great department great people hi kenny gabriel great chief um Aaron went to work for tacoma I remember he was in one of our seattle company officer academies actually in snohomish county with grego and Pauly, and he brought it up he remember he said you know i, I on the way to work i'll I'll stop with my iPhone. I'll take a picture of a building in our still district or a car next to the building, you know, a couple of pictures, and I'll get back to quarters and get all set and everything else. And you know, I'm there an hour early, and then I we do our roll call and I kick the guys loose. And it takes me like two minutes to to take this picture in, the, in this app called Sims S I M S with a, with a U share, uh, and and I create this I, I I I I set this building on fire, if you will, on my phone. And then you know that automatically transfers to your iPad, and without even putting it on the screen, which you can put it on, you know, through a projector up on a big screen, an AV screen. He says I spin that 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 iPad around when the guys sit down after they come in, after you know they get get the rig checks done, and they go, "Holy crap, that's the house down the street, the building on the street." And we walk through a, a thing. So Sims you share um, is another asset out there, if you will, for people to be able to talk taxes strategies. So yeah, the training, training, training. But John, let's talk. Let's talk. All right, the priorities of the first arriving unit. All right, we talked about being able to pull up, call mutual aid. You're your chief, your your volunteer department. You've been chief of the Bronx for a long time. Career front seat, acting officer, new officer, young guy or gal with less than five years, a couple years or whatever. What you, you know, what do you expect? And they pull up right now. If you were going to talk to them and they're going, Chief, all right, talk to me about that, what do you want as priorities? of their first arriving unit at that house fire. What are you thinking that that engine pulls up? You know, there's so
0: much, there's so much to
1: think about. There's so many things to do. And,
0: uh, you know, when you, when you start thinking about it, when you travel around like we do and teach it uh, to, to groups of people, new aspiring officers and, and, you know, more even sometimes senior people that have been around for a while, you realize how many different perspectives there are, how many priorities there are just getting off the ring, just stepping down from that seat you got a size up to commit. you got to look at construction. you got to worry about, are there people trapped? Or is this just a fire? Is there a dog on the front lawn? Is there a wire down across that? I mean, Holy cow. I could probably list 30 things, 40 things right now, but you don't want to overwhelm people with that. Right. So obviously you got to narrow it down a little bit to, to just a couple of things. Right? You you get there. Hopefully you get there the most direct, the quickest route. Then you got to, got to get a radio signal out on app, ah, nothing showing or, you know, minor fire in the front lawn, we're going to extinguish it with one unit, everybody else can return or work and fire second alarm. So now you got the help coming, right? You're still going to have to, you still got to go to work. And I I like to say that that's the next thing you got to do is go to work. And it includes all those things I talked about. And depending on where you are and when you are, if it's a, if there's two feet of snow on the ground and a blowing wind and you're up in Massachusetts and there's fire out a window somewhere, I mean, you got to start doing one thing. If you're, if you're down in, you know, Texas or Florida somewhere where where it's hot a 95 degree day and there's smoke showing but no visible fire it's not really roaring but you think you got something there's something else you might have to do I mean there's so many things that you have to do obviously if you have to if you have a fire after you give a signal you, you got to get dressed and get a hose and get a hose line moving I mean if you're listening to me you're probably thinking oh there's ten things you didn't say yet you didn't do a 360 you didn't walk around you didn't see if there was people trapped You didn't ask you know the neighbors Gosh, there's so many things you got to do, but but I know one thing you got to do is you got to get to work, and 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 a lot of times it just has to narrow down to to the basic most important thing, prioritize things in order of importance, and and if the house is on fire, you better
1: get a line stretched. And and you and you you mentioned that you know, and and I like that because I think everyone has a focus funnel. We've talked about that before. That normally right now you're wondering, okay, what am I watch? What am I going to watch for for on TV tonight? What are we have for dinner? All this stuff, so and so forth. And and we've talked about a firefighter who's under stress or duress, you know, when we talk about the mayday stuff. But even so, the, the more stress that's introduced into your, your noggin up there, your think tank, the smaller that focus funnel gets, and you can only really focus on so many things, like you said, and 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 not to overwhelm someone. I I like what you you said before about let let's let's kind of bring things down to a couple of really important things, and that is. Like you said, you pull up, we talk. We've always, we, we did the show. You guys can tune in. Uh, we just did it and post on apparatus positioning. And the first line gets stretched where? And can we begin our, our, our attack with tank water alone? You know, you said the size up, uh, you know, I think you, you said it so nicely before. Do I have a fire in the front lawn? Do I have nothing showing But I'm investigating? Do I have light smoke showing, heavy smoke showing? You know, what kind of fire, you know, it, it, Kind of let's make it simple. Do I have anything showing? Do I have something showing? And then we can decide from there, right? You know, size of you know, lines, entrances, everything else, banging out help if we need help, how much help, and so on and so forth. So I, I'm a big one on and we are too, is keep it simple. I, don't, I think sometimes we have a way of overloading people. We've talked about with radio traffic. For years, we try to get the radio talk show hosts to simplify things. Clear, concise radio transmissions. Pull up. You know, engine two is out. I've got a two-story single-family dwelling. I've got nothing showing or investigating. I've got, you know, smoke showing, heavy smoke, a lot of fire, fire through whatever. Give me something, and let's go to work. You know, that kind of stuff. Keep it simple that way, like you said, John, right? Absolutely. And when you start looking at – and we've
0: had discussions, and you know how I feel about it, about getting people in there to search for victims and people trying to hit the fire from the outside versus going inside, and all those other options. The point is you pull up to a building, and let's just – Let's just restrict ourselves to houses for a minute. You pull up to a house on fire, whether there's good smoke showing or flames out a window, you pull up to a house that's on fire. I challenge anybody that's listening to this to, to suggest or tell me anything that should be done before a hose line is stretched, you know, maybe at the same time as a hose line if you have enough people. But there's, if you've got a house on fire and you pull up with an engine with hose and water, I can't think of anything else you should be doing other than pulling a hose line and moving towards that building. And, and you
1: said, you said it a ton of times before we both have about this is where the versatility of that inch and three quarter line. If that, if that's your main attack line, your cross lay, pre-connect, whatever, off it goes, boom, we go. We brought tank water with us. Sometimes in most cases, plenty of tank water, you know, and, and John, we'll let's just back up for a second. You pull up with just two people on your engine or even three, or do you just say two, you know, if I've got fire showing, my best option may be to stretch it around to this side. Hopefully I can get to it. You know, we, we talked about some of the obstructions before. And hitting it from the outside, slowing it down. You know, I guess what it is is, you know, what, what, I want to get the best bang or the most bang for my buck. So what can I do the most of with this one line, with this smaller crew of people, if it's just me or my, me and my driver or I've got a jump seat firefighter? Well, what can I do that will have the most impact on changing the outcome of what's going on. We did, we did, as the first line goes, so does the fire. You said this just so, I mean, getting water, getting a line stretch is the most critical thing you can do, right? right? And not only the biggest bang for your buck, but the
0: fastest bang for your buck. Yeah. I want something that I can do right away. Now making a search, getting a search team together and going inside and stuff like that, even if you arrived with seven or eight people and, and a search team was, was masking up while you were pulling a pre-connect. That's fine. That's their job. They're going to go in. They might even go in ahead of you. That's fine. You want you wanna be able to get something done as fast as you can. And like I said, if you pull up on an engine with hose and water, the fastest thing you can do is get some get some water on the fire as fast as you can. Again, your staffing is gonna dictate whether you're gonna whether you're gonna blast through the front door and get to the room from the inside, or what maybe maybe you'll be forced to hit it from the outside because of, of staffing or lack of staffing. Whatever it is, you gotta start doing something. You gotta start putting some water on the fire. And Now, I know some people are thinking, oh, I've seen pictures of the FDMY pulling up and stretching holes, and there's fire out two windows next to the front door, and they're not even hitting it. Then they get together, turn their masks on, kneel down at the front door, bleed the line, and disappear in, and they still fire out the front windows. Well, I mean, that's because they're doing an aggressive interior attack, and that's their particular attack that they chose for that time. We are not big fans, and I'm not a big fan, you know that, of hitting it hard from the outside. But as you just described, there are times based on staffing, on two in, two out, on a number of units responding, on how many people are coming and how far they have to travel before they get there and help you, that sometimes you're just obligated. Sometimes you, you have to hit it from the outside because you're the only engine there. You only got three people. Whether or not there's people reported trapped or not, changes nothing. You still might have, to, you might have to stick the line in a window and darken a couple of windows down before some more folks get there and you're able to go inside,
1: you know? And, again, this goes back to what you said about as quick as you can, As safely, as quickly, as efficiently, which all goes back to training, getting the first line off of the engine, the first arriving engine, getting it, charging it, you know, bleeding it, getting ready, and making an attack of however you have to do it, right? Getting water as quickly as we can to the fire. So if we're talking first arriving unit, the priority of the the first arriving unit, that's got to be, I mean, pull it up and sizing up. Like we said, we've done shows on size up before in 360s, and we could do three shows and and break it down. It would take that much to cover it all. Like you said, there's so much to think about when it comes to just the size up with building construction At But if we're talking priorities, we already bang. All right, boom. we, we assume and we're talking about you pull up, you do a size up. Now we're stretching initial tack line. That's your absolute priorities to get initial tack line. If you're a younger crew and you're, and you're a little hesitant and you know, you got the pucker factor kicked in. We've all been there. Everybody was new. We we talk about class all the time. Your first fire, the first time right in the front seat, whether you're an officer or not, pulling up and seeing that and going, we got to make a decision because those people out there are depending on it. And stretching that line, getting it charged. Again, we'll say it over and over again. goes back to training. Quickly being able to deploy the line and charge it. Not like you see in some of these videos where people take forever, and it's criminal how long it takes people sometimes to stretch the initial attack line. Get the line off. Choose what you're going to do. offensive. You know, if you're going to go defensive, which we mean defensive, we're writing off this building, keeping out exposures. Or are we going to go exterior offensive attack and then you know bang our way inside? Like you said, you know, slow it down a little bit. Whatever we have to do with our staffing. Second, now the priorities. If you're that if you're that officer, that acting officer, that firefighter right in that front seat, John, we're, we're going to get the the initial tack line off. I got to make sure my driver knows, and that the second new engine coming in there is going to ensure that I've got a positive water source. Whether you drop a port of, tank, port of tanks, you know, get me more water. But I think, as a priority, if we're going to be effective, is somebody has to ensure that I have a sustained water supply of some sort, whether it's porta tanks or a hydrant, right?
0: Yes. and And that ties in with what you said earlier about having you know, SOPs and SOGs and policies and mutual aid agreements with people. You, you got to know that. I mean, and, and again, that's such a basic concept in a fire service, right? First engines, first engine pulling up, going to work, whatever that may mean, whatever that may mean. Some places lay a line going in by policy, by policy. Some places lay a line in anytime they go and report a structural fire or smoke. It sometimes ends up being food in the stove and there they are out packing a five inch hose because their policy is lay a line from a hydrant Every time they're going in to an address, we report a smoke. Other places <clears throat> don't do that, and that's fine too. But then the second do engine should know. Oh, when we're going to mutual aid to Monroe, or when I'm coming up the uh, up the hill with five eight five behind five eight seven, we're second do, we got to know that when they say working fire, second alarm, working fire, stretching a the line, then we got to know that we're laying a line coming in, or we're or we're going to hit the scene and lay a line out from the scene. Because because
1: so many bad things, right? There's so many bad things can happen. If they actually do run themselves out of water or whatever, I mean, we, I mean, it's so, I think it's a, it's, it's a very much underestimated, underplayed, not enough importance placed on John is ensuring that everybody wants to fight the fire and understand that. But that second do, man, making sure that that first do's got water is huge for the success of the operation, just to make sure we can kill it off.
0: Absolutely. And, And as an engine officer, I was, I was a captain of 48 engine for a couple of years in the Bronx. And, and we went the plenty of fires first do second do third do, and you know what? The first do engine's job is to is to is to use the water, <laughs> and the second do engine's job is to secure more water and and get and make sure there's a good supply. The first do engine generally, obviously, there's situations where maybe the first do has to do it because you don't have a lot of companies coming in. But in in a typical urban suburban setting where there's a couple of departments, mutual aid, you got a couple of stations, somebody else is coming within a few minutes. <laughs> You know, the first two engines should concentrate on spending water, on using it, on getting a fire knocked down, on getting a line stretch. And the second two engine should should be thinking a little about stretching a hose line, but they should be thinking about laying a line in, or when they get there connecting, or helping with the folder tank. Well, maybe and, dumping that thousand gallons into the tank that the first engine set up, or any one of the many other options that there are. But, and but this volume, is water volume is second two engine and, and water use is first two engine.
1: Exactly. This is such a priority. Let me interrupt you, it's such a priority. I know in the FDNY. You actually have a code you can call, right? We've talked about this before, and I forget what the code is. You'll know it. You know, that that assignment to that engine, whether dispatch does it or or somebody says it, um, I forget the 10 code for it, John, but it is an assignment. 1070 is water augmentation, right? So if there's a 1070 transmitted, the dispatcher will
0: probably prompt the second new engine, or somebody would say 48 engine, 1070 been transmitted. I mean, you got to first do engine needs water. Now, in New York City, that rarely happens because we get literally a million hydrants. But you still can end up in a position where you weren't able to move away from the front of the building or you get trapped by another apparatus coming in or an oil truck coming down a block on a narrow street. boop oh, He's opposite you. And it's a three-block backup for him to get out of there. And all of a sudden, you know what? You go to work. You dump the tank. They start fighting fire. And you give a 1070. Second to engine should be keying and paying attention to water supply anyway. I never walked up to a scene of a fire as a captain of an engine. Uh, without looking at the first two engine or talking to the en- first two engine chauffeur on the radio saying, how you doing on water? I'm good, Cap. I'm connected. Or I, I laid a line coming in or whatever. And if he did need help, but Willie or one of my chauffeurs would be right on it back into the street, hand pulling a line or whatever they had to do.
1: Well, and, and the, the Louisville, Texas is notorious for just that. And that is, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear the the first two engine, whoever the pumping engine is, the attack engine will say on the radio I'm, I, they'll, they'll say I'm out of hydrant, you know, or I've got a hydrant. You just, I'm out of hydrant. That doesn't mean I'm sitting out a hydrant. I'm looking at a hydrant. It means I have a hydrant. It's good. It's charged. It's connected. I'm, I've got water coming out of it. It's not like. I like, that. It.
0: I like that radio thing. That's great. Cause that lets everybody know coming in, water's taken care of and, and they, and they can walk down a block thinking, Hey, we may be able to pull a second. Oh, line." I can't tell you how
1: many times, John, I've heard that. I still hear it to this day. You know, engine, two, engine 162 is on a hydrant, or, you know, I got a, I got a hydrant. Engine, engine 5 from engine 2, I'm on, a, I'm on a hydrant. That tells them, good, I have a sustained source of water coming out of something out of the ground, and, and now we can ship priorities. So, And we talk about this in, in the company, Officer Academy, and our, our chief officer academies in our scenarios class. You know, if we're talking the priorities of the first arriving unit here, those three tactical priorities we always start off talking about, fire attack, ventilation, and search. Whether it's a pot of meat on the stove, and you've got to pop a door, go in there, turn the stove off, open up a window and let it air some out, or set a fan or whatever, and make sure there's nobody passed down the couch sleeping or whatever. Two, you got to blow on fire. Those three things have to be accomplished at every fire, if you will, no matter the size. I'll say, and that's fire attack, or you know that that thing, whether you know it's as simple as that, or stretch stretching line ventilation and search and rescue. And for some of these crews, John, that are stretched thin, career or, or volunteer, we've said this before, you know, you, you, you've you got two two folks in there, you know, they're tacking the fire. You're trying to put a RIT team together. If It only takes one person to, to uh, nine times out of ten, depending on your scenario, to vent the backside, whether that's pop a window for the crew going through the front door, whether that's pop a back door and a window, you know, give it give it somewhere to go. give give them a break, give them a chance by doing nothing more than by taking a a coordinating. We've said this before, you know, you're going through the front door. It takes Rick, one guy around the back with a a hook and, you know, a halogen or whatever, boom, take a window or pop that door. Give it somewhere to go. Give them some relief in there. If you can, I know the roof man is is critical in New York city, but the OV, just one person being able to get up on a fire escape and I've watched it take a window and give it that, you see that relief. You see that, boom, it's like that explosion of smoke and heat and, and at times fire to give that crew. there, And you know, we, I've been in there at times where you're like, you know it. you hear it happening. You can hear the glass breaking or whatever. And man, it's like somebody, those shoulder, those, those hands on your shoulders that were like holding you down to the floor are off you now. And you're like, you know, you could feel that, that push for you, that relief for you to get in there. And that's usually just one person, John, that can, can can affect that, have that much of an impact on you, the interior crew, correct?
0: Absolutely, and, and I mean, that's why, you know, you've heard of it a million times, it's been around for decades, a coordinated fire attack. You know, people are talking about it nowadays like it's new, because somebody studied a little bit and they're talking <laughs> about it, but, but it's not. Coordinated fire attack's been around since the horses were, were standing out in front of the buildings. You know what I'm saying? There was always people venting windows and people pushing in with hose lines and people doing different things, and obviously we're, we're a little bit more advanced now. Tools and equipment, strategy, tactics are all, all certainly modernized. But uh, the, same, the same basic principles apply. You know, coordinated fire attack. You're going to move in there with a hose line. It's great. it's great to get some ventilation points where you get some exit points for steam. You know, steam and heat and flame and whatever else is in there expanding to, to push out rather than pushing back at the, uh, the attack team. All basic stuff. All stuff that just the first couple of people on the first arriving unit have to worry about. That's the oh. biggest, the biggest job. It's the biggest job.
1: Exactly. And, and again, we, we keep, and I said, we're going to keep mentioning this. It all goes back to training. These are those snowy, rainy, crappy, hot nights, whenever, when you're, or you're sitting around the firehouse or it's drilling, you wanted to do a drill night. It's like you gather everybody up. I, I used to love, I still do, talking shop, talking tactics, a strategy. And this is where you talk and you turn around, and you go, Lasky, come here. Hey, I know you've only got three years on here, but You know what? Tomorrow you could be riding that front seat. You're a firefighter. You're approved for everything. You can drive everything else. You may be the senior gal, gal, and you got to pop up there. So let's talk about. It. We we roll out right now. You're riding that front seat. You know this is the sims you share. Without sims you share, right? You pull up down the street. You got a, a one story, two story, single family fire show. Let's let's talk. Let's let's walk our ways through this. And you get this young firefighter, this young guy gal, right, to actually talk now. Instead of just sitting in the drill room and wait for the lieutenants or captains to answer all the questions or talk the way through. Now you're, you're right. You're bringing them into the fold. and say, what would you do? Well, the first thing i do do was, I'd, okay, all right. now, now uh, Hang on for a second. Like we say, food for thought, all right? Remember, you pull up. You gave your size up. What did you not do? You, had, you told me you had fire showing. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot to call for help. Yeah, all right. So you call dispatch and you, you, you yell for mutual aid. If you don't have automatic aid, can you tell them what you got? Size up. Let's talk about your size up, right? We walk them through that. And we take and we go back to John. We talked about which door, you know. Hopefully, you know, nine times out of ten, the residents can be that front door for obvious reasons. We talked about that show before. You know, if anything, if you got a lot of fire, you got to make sure, you know, you're thinking, you, you know, your driver's thinking, I've only got so much water. I got to make sure somebody's coming behind me. I got to make sure somebody's going to vent. You know, um, uh, all these different things. These and you, I guess the key is walking them through the decision-making process. I think this all helps what we said initially, John, and helping build the confidence in these young firefighters, these young men and women, when when they have to or they're forced or pushed into riding that front seat for their valley department or, you know, that that very young uh, uh, career department, having the confidence to make those decisions, to be able to pull up, see what you got. I think the reminder is, look, we're the fire department. They called nine one one for us. We can't call nine one two. All right, so we're, we're, the, we're the fire guys and gals. You know, we're, we have red lights and sirens for a reason. You know, we need to be able to pull up and make some decisions. Um, no way in hell am I saying you're not going to be nervous, you're not going to be scared, you're not going to be a little hesitant. That, that's that every new officer, every new firefighter, every, it happens at every level. Um, the first chief pulling up and take command of his first fire has that bucker factor going on, you know, all that. But to be able to talk tactics and strategy job like we do around the kitchen table sometimes, is so huge. I think that's a major component in building the self-confidence that some of our younger firefighters need, right?
0: And that's a great place to start in the kitchen because you know what? It's a friendly atmosphere. It's a comfortable atmosphere for firefighters, young and older, like young guys sitting at the kitchen table, even with just a year or two on the job, already got his legs. He's already feeling comfortable in there. They're used to getting their chops broken in the kitchen at dinner and at lunch and stuff like that. So you're you're already in sort of, a semi-classroom. I always treated the kitchen almost like a training room, you know? And once you're in there, that's a great place to break new young guys in. As long as you don't have a bunch of imbeciles on your crew, a bunch of bullies on your crew that are going to bust the guy's chops or doing something. Right. And it's a great place whether you're using something like shims you share, whether you're looking at something on a phone, you pull up an, a, 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 a you know, YouTube video on, 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 on the phone, you know, and you look at a guy's phone and say, look at that, you see that? Or what it's just talking about the the run that you had earlier, or the job that the crew had the night before or the day before. It's a familiar, it's a familiar area where everybody feels safe and where you can say, wait a minute, no, no, hold on. But before you do that, is there anything else you do? And you're really pointing out a mistake that the guy made. He jumped ahead, but you're giving him an opportunity to to rectify that. And again, repetition. The more you do this, if you, if you're a good boss like Dennis Cross was, like. John Vigiano was like Pete Lund was, great guys. If you're a good boss, you're gonna do it all the time. And and people, I told you, guys used to come up to me when I was in the squad. Hey Lou, what are, what are we gonna drill to on today? What are we gonna train on today? They wanted to know because they knew we were gonna train. There was no issue there. They wanted to know what we were gonna train on. Your story about being with John Cullen at two thirty-five, oh. engine at two o'clock in the morning. Where do you think he learned that? He learned that back in the squad, not from me, but from the squad. You know, I did what everybody else always did there. We trained all the time, and so well, so those great habits, you know. They 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 live on in good offices and they get carried on into other places and passed on to new people.
1: And I and I I, I could sit here as you're talking. I could, I could list for you. And I, we'll do it another time. I could tell you. I could describe for you my lieutenant Bill Allen, how, his mannerisms, how he acted. It was, he was so consistent in a good way, but how he ran his crew, how he ran his show. From, he would take that little pad of paper. The tones would go off. It was like ooh, this quick pad of paper, out of his pocket, writing down. I mean, I, I, can, I can see him doing it now. He he had a he had separate quarters. We had 10 guys in our bunk room. The the lights would click on. The tones would go off. He's standing at the door with a piece of paper in his hand going, here, Ricky, this is what you need. This is the address. And the cross street, that's how dialed in the guy was. So now, and before we finish this one out, John, I think two more things we need to talk about real quick here is the importance that we've, we've talked about this on previous shows, so we don't have to get into it too much, but – all right, for for the for the confidence you need, you know, to be able to, to talk about the priorities of first arriving unit again, for maybe that younger firefighter or younger officer even, having those riding assignments. If you're talking tactics and strategy, the the predetermined or just understanding what the tasks are um, that that are associated with each particular call, whether it's an NVA with a pin in or a fire, that you know, if I pull up. I may need a reminder, but I know what the hell you're talking about when you tell me, Lieutenant, or firefighter Salka, what I'm supposed to do. Those are tasks and those writing assignments and those tasks related to those seats or those writing assignments are critical.
0: And you know what? And and the and the problem with talking about that is, and, and it and it applies to to just about everybody, but it doesn't apply to everybody. There's plenty of small departments like my son, Brian, down there in North Charleston. They got, you know, an engineer and an officer and him and oh, two-thirds of the time, maybe Maybe another firefighter with him in the back. So maybe they can do nozzle and backup. Maybe they can do nozzle and irons, you know. But but when, it, when it's Brian riding by himself, he's riding by himself. He's got it all. You know what I'm saying? It's a get these really small uh, crews or a small volunteer department where only one or two people turn out in the middle of the night or the middle of the day. Suddenly that can get changed. Now, you get into these more suburban departments, even volunteer departments where four or five guys jump on every rig every day no matter when the run is. Then I mean, and we even have it at the South Blooming Grove. You know, you you ride here, you're the nozzle. You ride there, you're the backup. You ride there, you're the door person, you know, and and that works out fine. But it, it it's a little more challenging when you get got the small departments, either the small career or the small volunteer.
1: Exactly. And, you know, again, we started off with a suggestion from Captain Doug Champagne from uh, Wellsboro FD in Pennsylvania. And John and I are going to be out there for the Tioga uh, County Firemen Association this fall. We're actually, we're doing a, sweating the small stuff and the three degrees of mayday for them. So go to our calendars. You'll see this fall when that class is going to be, but um, great, great idea. Great topic about the priorities of the first arriving unit, whether it's volunteer versus career, Uh, you know, Doug, Doug had brought up because, you know, we just, we've got some great, oh my God, some ass kicking, go get in great young firefighters that are like, they're there. They're, they're out the door. They're fast. I mean, you know, the kind of guys and gals you want, you know, John, you've got them. You brag on your, you, bra- you brag you brag on your guys, uh, your your guys from, from South Blooming Grove on I mean, you, all the time about how great they are, how dedicated they are. And they're they're just into it. Um, but again, you know, being able to make those decisions and having the confidence to make those decisions when you have to ride the front seat. So we hit on, for for our listeners, we hit on, you know, uh, the the importance of of that whole fire attack, vent, and search, you know, uh, and and those priorities that have to be done at every single fire. Making sure that you've got your mutual aid and automatic aid, if you have that ability, set up ahead of time. Something easy so you can just bang out an alarm or call for help without having to read a list off. Training, like John said, is the absolute backbone behind everything we do. Talk it. whether it's stretching lines and and the hands on getting out there and getting sweaty and, and getting bunked up and doing our stuff, or sitting around the kitchen table talking tactics and strategy around the training room, talking writing assignments, tasks, whatever it is, making sure that we know that you know we, we absolute priority we got to get water on the fire absolutely, no matter what, we got to get water on the fire, we got to get a line stretched as quickly, as efficiently, as safely as possible, we got to get the building ventilated, we got to get. You know this. You know our search and rescue going. We got grit teams to think about, and so on and so forth. But oh my God, we stretch that first line. Make sure we got water coming to back that up, and back up that tank or whatever we're doing, uh, whether it's a hydrant or drop and porter tanks. Absolute must of priority. That's a lot, buddy. We I mean we we were able to cover a lot in uh, a short amount of time. But um, I think it's I think it was a decent chunk of information. Uh, like you said to begin with. Oh my God, we could have spent three shows doing just size up. Uh, we were able to touch on a lot with this we'll one. The whole show on, on, you know, doing a 360 and everything else, too. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So, hey, let's wrap this one up, uh, buddy. I, uh, email address for, for John Salka? Chiefjohnsalka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. We appreciate you tuning in and uh, spreading the word about these uh, old school podcasts, which just John and I having fun, man. We love talking shop. If you were with us on the road, you'd see it. We've been with a bunch of years. When we're in hotel rooms or the lobbies, uh, on the phone, we just, it's it just its just having fun. Uh, what, what firefighter doesn't want to talk shop? And what good firefighter doesn't want to talk shop? So we appreciate you to, to following us and, and, and joining us tonight. Uh, we never, any of our shows, I would ask you to please keep the men and women, our armed forces, uh, in your thoughts and prayers, as well as our police officers, our dispatchers, and everybody dealing with all kinds of stuff out there right now. Uh, with that, God bless you. Thank you, and, and we'll talk to you next time.